At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Are you ready to write? Do you want to learn what it takes to create a writing career? Then tune in and take notes because on Simply Write, we talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. Let's go. Hello and welcome to Simply Write with Polly. This is the podcast where we talk about the writing craft and crafting a writer's life. You know, there are lots of ways of doing that. We hit on those each week. We we talk about how to make our writing better, how to build a sustainable writing career. And it really takes a lot of persistence, a lot of discipline, a lot of hope, right? But it also takes a creative agile business mentality. Not only do we have to come to the page and be creative and committed to the writing work, but then we have to put our entrepreneur cap on and think about how to market that work, how to get it out there so we can publish, reach the readers and make an income so we can write the next book or write the next essay. And that's what we're going to get into today. We have author Paula Rizzo with us today. We're going to talk to her about how she did that and how she coaches others to do the same. Welcome, Paula. Hi, Polly. I'm so excited. Let's talk books and authorship. I love it. So, well, I met you a couple of weeks ago when we were on Simply Said, and you were talking about your great book, Listful Living. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and you have a couple of books out, and Listful Living is the one I really recommend to writers because what it does is it takes us in and really challenges us to think not about the writing, but why we want to do the writing, how we create our days to get the writing done or any aspect of your life. For me, I'm, I'm using a lot toward my career. So I think writers, it's worth checking that book out. Paula is a bestselling author. She's an Emmy award-winning television producer, and she's produced health, wellness, and lifestyle segments with experts you would know, including Jillian Michaels, Deepak Chopra, She served as a health producer for Fox News Channel in New York City, and today she's working with people like us, experts and authors and entrepreneurs, about how they can position themselves and their book with the media to build their list and engage customers and readers. We start each show with the dailies. Paula, what's your day looking like? I am very intentional about how I set my day because for so long working in corporate America, I had to just get up and go. So now that I run my own business and I'm able to decide for myself how I do it, I am very intentional. I love still, you know, learning to see what the news of the day is. So that is part of my day. Part of my morning is a cup of tea, looking through the newspaper, looking through all the links, looking through, you know, what's happening in the world. Uh, I like to do a little bit of yoga. I used to be very good at meditating regularly. I have fallen off of that wagon. I need to get back. Now that reminds me now that we're talking about it. Um, But I like to start the day slow, really slow. And the reason is I'm I'm so used to, you know, from days and years, 20 years almost in TV news of like running, running, running and fast paced everything. So I have intentionally started to slow down because I know myself, if I get at the computer and I start first thing in the morning, I will not stop. 
none of this stuff will get done. I will, I'll feel burnt out at the end of the day and I won't feel like I have done anything for me. Even though I love writing, even though I love media training authors and doing all of these things, I feel like I need to do something for me right off the bat and then I'm ready to go. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's really a way of priming our brains to do the writing work, to do the marketing work that we have to do if we're going to be writers in this world. You know, I told you before we got on that the weather out here in Oregon is turning nice. And yes, we do have sun people in Oregon. Wow. And uh, yeah, big day. Um, but I got up and I, I went for a walk and I for once didn't turn on a podcast. I love listening to podcasts, but I didn't. And I just walked quietly. And I often do meditation and it's been a while since I have, but I think that walk really worked to kind of just settle into myself and and be intentional about what I want to do today, the things I want to talk to you about, but the way I want to come to my writing. Because when I showed up at the desk, I felt ready to go. I felt really excited. And, and so I think that slow start for me works better too. And it's about knowing your process, right? Definitely. And it, it's also about knowing how you work best, what your productivity style is, right? So you talked about listful living, my book. I talk a lot about productivity style and setting up your day for success. I'm not an early bird. I'm not. And I have tried to be. And in, you know, in corporate America, they make you because you've got to be at your desk at 9 a.m. So that never really worked for me. Uh, and I know that about myself. So I like to actually do the bulk of my work later, you know, writing work later in the day when most people feel like they've conked out. Yeah. I'm much more of an of a 3 p.m. starter. And it's funny because when I think back to when I worked in TV news, I would get a real bolt of energy right around like after lunch, right around like three o'clock, four o'clock, and I'd be able to bang out scripts really fast. And I thought that it was because, oh, it's near the end of the day when I was working nine to five. Oh, it's near the end of the day. I just want to get out of here. It wasn't. It's that is my best time to do it. And I started to notice myself and learn that. And now, I, you know, I don't apologize for it. It's like, that's going to be the time that I'm doing. I'm doing my writing. Yeah. Respect that time. Well, we talk a lot about, you know, trying different patterns out and, and being okay with however you get the work done, as long as you get the work done, right? Mm -hmm. Get the writing done. You didn't land as a nonfiction writer or a novelist. You started in television journalism. How did you make that link and leap into what you're doing now? Yeah, I, you know, I've always wanted to be a writer. Uh, you know, when I went to college, when I was a little kid, I started my first newsletter at age like eight or something on a typewriter. Yeah, that does not surprise me knowing you now. That does not <laughs> surprise me. And, uh, you know, but I always thought being a writer, being an author meant that you wrote a fiction book, right? That novels were the only way to be an author. I did not know really uh, that it could, could be so many different ways. So I started in journalism. And then uh, as I was working in TV news, you know, I make a lot of lists and I was really efficient. You know, I mean, you come from the newspaper world too. You've got to be on top of your deadlines. You've got to really, you know, make sure you're, you're getting things done. And I started a creative project. I started a blog called listproducer.com about 10 years ago, just to have a creative outlet to sort of write about my lists. And, you know, I was looking for an apartment in New York City at the time with my husband. And um, I had a checklist for all of the things that I wanted to make sure that I noticed when I went into each apartment, because it's very overwhelming. And people saw the list and thought I was insane. They're like, no one does this. No one is making their own <laughs> checklists for things, you know? And I was like, oh, 
in TV, you know, when I'm interviewing someone, I have a list of questions. I know what shots I need to get. Like it was very, for me, it was not a big deal. But when I heard that other people weren't doing this, I was like, yeah, okay, there's something here. So I started to write the blog and take a lot of the skills, frankly, that I learned in journalism to be able to create short, interesting, uh, you know, blog posts and to build a following. So it was sort of like a fun thing that I did for a long time. I started to pitch myself to media as an expert in list making, you know, so that was sort of the first, the first toe that I stuck into the, to the authorship world. And then that blog became Listful Thinking, my first book. I love how people arrive at those things because I really think when we follow our curiosity, follow the thing that is really, it can lead to all kinds of other things. You know, I, I don't think, you know, I'm very deliberate too. And I think people who don't make lists, I think that's just crazy business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, mean, I have lists about everything, but it's a fun outlet for me too, because a lot of those lists are development lists. Well, I want to learn more right now. I'm, I'm going down the rabbit hole of fountain pens, right? <laughs> so what can I learn about fountain pens and, and what do I, what video do I want to check out or what could I write about that? So I have a page just going like that. It's a real uh, creative endeavor for me, as well as what's on the grocery list, what my daughter's schedule is and all those other things that I keep too. It's about curiosity a lot for me too, you know, to have those lists of things I'd like to learn, uh, you know, people I want to connect with, things that I, you know, don't yet know. Uh, I love that. So it's it's beyond the to-do list, right? So the to-do list is great and I love it. Of course, I'm always going to be a champion for the to-do list, but there are so many other ways to use lists creatively and to really help you, you know, spark, yeah, even for writers, for authors, for people for who, sure. are, who want to, you know, what are you going to write a book about? I don't know. So make a list of a bunch of ideas that come to the top of your mind and there you go yeah yeah i think that's a great approach did the structure of the television schedule and the script production and that sort of thing carry over into your your freelance your entrepreneurship practice now did it help you kind of land on your feet to to create your writing time and create your business it still does because i think i have never had writer's block because you're ingrained to produce something. You have to get the work out, right? In TV news, there is a show that is gonna go on at five o'clock and you have to have something right there for them to read, for whatever. So I have very much always kept that notion as I'm doing, let's say the blog, or if I'm writing you know, a book and I'm under deadlines, like I have to produce something. Right now, it might be not be the best, but I can always go back to it. I mean, that's the nice thing about written stuff versus writing TV scripts. It's like, well, it's happening and you can improve it tomorrow. <laughs> but it was it was done. Uh, but, you know, for me, it's very much about just just let just do it. Just do something, get something out there. And I think that has really helped to serve me to be consistent and to continue. There are so many people that I know who, you know, they can't believe that I wrote a blog for five, for 10 years and I'm still doing it, you know, and I'm like, well, it's consistency. But it's also just knowing that not every single thing is going to be amazing. It's just not. So, you know, it's just a numbers game. There's going to be stuff that's going to be off the charts amazing and people will love it and continue to quote from it for years. And there's stuff that people will hate and never read again. It's just the way it is. Yeah. You do your best. I think the most important aspect of, of surviving as, you know, as a professional writer is to finish something, right? Because yeah. you have nothing if you don't finish it. And I learned that in newspaper too. Like when you're on deadline, 
you're on deadline and it's done. Otherwise there's a big blank hole in the newspaper and you don't have a job very long. And, <laughs> and it can be excruciating even now. Like I, I produce a couple of Substacks and, and I was looking at one yesterday. I'm like, Oh, I would have done that differently, but I did the best I could in that moment. And in that moment, it was much more important to get this idea out. Otherwise we'll sit on things forever. And I can't publish that way. I can't make income that way. I can't grow as a writer that way. For best sure. to finish. I think. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And, you know, one of the things, though, too, is that to know that you never know how things will hit with people. Right. I, I think that's that's another thing that I've, I'm like, eh, I don't know. This one's not great. And then it becomes the one that everyone loves. So it's like, I don't know anything at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. I think get it out to the universe and then and then it's a gift and people can decide what they're going to do with it. But you can move on to the next thing. I, I think that's great advice. I want to know about your writing process. You said you start late in the afternoon, but I know, I mean, you have a couple of nonfiction books out. You're working with clients. There's marketing you're doing. You're also writing a novel, right? Yeah. How does yeah. your, how do you get to all this and make sure you're doing diligence to each of these things? Well, it, you know, each book that I've written have happened, obviously, at a different point in my life, like every writer, right? So the first book, I was still working in TV news. I was working full time. And so the writing had to happen after work and on the weekends. It was all that I had. And so I made it work. Was it my favorite way to write? No. Did I want to do it on Sundays? No. But I wanted to write the book. So I did it, right? So that that was, you know, something that had to happen. The second book, Listful uh, Living was a very short turnaround. I had three months to write the book. And I said, okay, how am I going to map this out with working with, with clients, with doing speaking engagements, with everything that's already on my plate? I picked Fridays. And I said, hmm. Fridays are going to be my writing day. And that's what I'm going to do. And for each of those books, I had a writing partner, a writing accountability buddy. And for the first book, it was in person. Actually, for the second book, it was in person too. And we would meet almost every Friday or whatever the day was. And she would work on her thing. I would work on my thing. And we would just, you know, for 25 minutes, we would set a little timer. We would work on stuff. We would then chit chat for about five minutes and then keep going. So Fridays became that creative day for me that I blocked no matter what. And it was really the only way I was able to write Listful Living. And then once Listful Living was out and I delivered it, uh, two weeks early, I have to say, by nice. the way, because um, uh, I was like, I'm done. I can't anymore. Just take it. <laughs> Don't sit I, on it. Yeah, I know. Exactly. And, and of course, and I did that with the first book, too. And uh, they were like, this is the first time in history that anyone has <laughs> sent something in early and we will not be looking at it. I said, it's fine. I just I can't look at it anymore <laughs> myself. Um, and so after that book was out, then Fridays became my creativity day. And even when I wasn't writing the novel yet, I still kept that day for writing, for reading, for things that were very creative, that were not working. It was not working with clients. It was not, you know, um, producing videos or whatever else that, that I do. It was very much preserved time. So I think that's really important is to, if you can find a day and some people might be drained on a Friday and might feel like, oh, I don't want to do that. For me, it's like, oh, the best way to start the weekend is to do a little bit of creative work, something for me. I really enjoy it that way. It's interesting to me a couple of things about that. You have a marked day and you have told me previously that nothing comes into those Fridays. That's your creative day. Yeah. So you don't you you're very disciplined and just don't take appointments, don't do other stuff on Friday except your writing projects. Yeah. I mean, there's days that sometimes it's like, well, all right, fine, I'll do something in the morning or whatever. But for the most part, I have that that chunk of time 
that is dedicated. And I have an accountability partner too. She, she lives in California. I'm in New York and we meet on zoom and we've been doing it for, oh my gosh, two years. And that's what I was going to ask you about next. What is the value of that to you? We haven't talked about that on the show. And how is that? How does that work for you? Is this a friend you had another writer you knew, and you just hold each other to a higher standard to get the job done? In each instance, it always started as someone I didn't really know that well. Hmm. And someone who also wanted to write and was working on something. So the first one that I worked with, she was writing a novel and I was writing nonfiction. The second one that I worked with, I was working on nonfiction and she was a writer for Hallmark. Hmm. And so she was writing scripts for Hallmark at the time. And then the last, uh, the most recent accountability buddy that I have, she's also working on some memoir slash fiction, and I'm now working on fiction. And so we never, we didn't start as great friends, which I think was really helpful because it doesn't derail us. It's the, hi, how are you? How was your week? What's going on? Oh, did you, you know, did you end up making that dish that, I, that, that you told me you wanted to make? Oh, great. Okay, cool. Want to write? Let's do it. Set a time for 25 minutes, do your thing, come back up. You want to do another 25? Yeah. Okay, great. And then you do it again. And so it, it doesn't really, um, you know, like muddle the system because you're mm -hmm. not, it's not social hour. You know why you're there and you both keep yourselves accountable. Even the days that we don't do it, like one can't do it for whatever reason, you're traveling, something happens. We still text each other. Did you write? Did you at least think about That's writing? Awesome. You know, <laughs> so it's yeah. really helpful. Yeah. I mean, there are nights that the day before I'm going to work on a new project or something, I will say it out loud to a couple of people and say, tomorrow I'm going to start this or tomorrow I got to get yep. through this chapter because it's too easy on a sunny day or whatever it is for me to let myself off the hook when it's something that's not waiting on deadline. I work really well with deadlines. I think that's my training. So when I have a book due or when I have a podcast to record or whatever it is, I'm way ahead of the game. Yeah. But when this novel... I've had to be much more disciplined in a different way to get that done because nobody's waiting for it yet. Right? Totally. No one, no one even knows that it's there, right? This is just sort right. of something that you're working on in hopes that it will become something, but you really need to produce the whole thing. And the thing that I've learned about novel writing too, which is, you know, very, very different. <laughs> you can't really make a, a list. I mean, you can make a list, but it doesn't follow the same sort of writing structure, which has been very difficult for me with nonfiction, <laughs> as you can imagine. Um, it's nonfiction for me. It's like, okay, I'm going to make my outline. Here's what, here's all the chapters is going to be. These are the things that are going there. Here's who I'm going to interview for this. Here's what great, great, great. Okay. Check, 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 check. Done. Great. Next one, I'll write another chapter next week. You know, that it's very structured that way. I work really well that way. So this has been sort of like you throw that all away. I don't even, I didn't even know what the story was. I started with a character and then the story sort of blossomed and bloomed out of that. It's a really fun process, but for someone who is used to making lists and having, you know, a spreadsheet of everything, it doesn't exactly work that way. I feel exactly the same way. And we're going to get into more about that with Paula Rizzo, author of Listful Living and other work. We're going to talk about it. We're going to take a short break on Simply Write with Paula. We're going to come right back with Paula and get into these different writing styles and what it takes to shift between nonfiction and fiction and carving out this, this writing life that we're all aspiring to do. We'll be right back on Simply Write part of the Creators Network of Electricast.
And we are back. This is Polly. You're listening to Simply Right. We've got Paula Rizzo, the author of Blissful Living and other works. She's a media strategist who often works with entrepreneurs and writers to get their stories out there, to get their voices heard on podcasts and through other media. And she was just talking about her work on a novel. Before we went to break, Paula, you, you were saying that the process between nonfiction and fiction has been really different for you. And, and I have felt that too. I'm a nonfiction writer. That's where I started. That's what I've done for 20 years. And working on this novel, I wanted the process to be the same way. Like I wanted the chapter summaries that I had in the proposal. And, and I didn't do a formal outline, but I'd have a line, well, this chapter is going to cover this and this chapter. And it really caught me up because none of those chapters followed that little line of what they were <laughs> supposed to do. And it's been really fun, but I had to let go of that so-called messy feeling. It wasn't a process that I'd used before. How have you adjusted to the different things you're doing now that's so different from the short sound bites of script writing and so different from nonfiction books? You're doing a lot still all at the same time. How do you juggle between those ways of thinking? It's like a different language with with each different medium that you work on. And, you know, in television, it's all about how many seconds is this script? It's a 30 second script. I know what that feels like. A one minute script. I know what that feels like. I don't know how many words that is. So when I started writing for nonfiction and in the in the contract, it says you will write X, you know, 30,000 words or whatever it was, 50,000 words. I was like, oh, my is so many words. I don't know. I can I can do this in a minute. You know what I mean? Like a minute 30. Give, give me that and I'll be done. That's what I'm used to. Very fast to the point. So I found it difficult at first to find enough to say, to to fill in the blanks, to continue to do things because I was so used to such short, concise writing which is great. And it's really helpful to be able to have that skill, but it's not the same skill that you need for certain nonfiction and certainly not for fiction. And with fiction, I have found it to be, like you said, you can't really, you can't really plan it so that, that you do have to give that part up, but you do get to a point where you can be a little organized and you can look at your chapters and move things around. So it, it does get better for those of you who are like, oh, I, I would like a list. I would like a spreadsheet. You can get one eventually. <laughs> Um, but what I found too, is that it, it, it's a very long process, you know, especially for someone who's doing it for the first time, it's about getting it out there. And then does the, does the story make sense? Are the, the, you know, are the characters compelling? Do you understand why they're doing what they're doing? Okay, great. Now what's the dialogue look like? Then you have to look at that. How many words do we have here? Oh, it's probably not enough words. Could you add some? Okay, great. So I add now it's too long. So you have to edit it. So you have to go back. And I'm working with a writing coach who was wonderful and lovely and really embraces the creative process. We are very different. She is, is not a list maker. She was a true creative, you know, shoes off dancing outside in the grass uh you know loving loving that and 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 really feeding the muse uh in that way so i needed that kind of energy to help me get out of my usual but can i just make a list about it you know yeah i, I yeah, I think it's, and that's again goes to what we were talking about earlier on, where know your process and identify if it's not working in this way, shift it, right? As an entrepreneur writer, we have to be agile in our thinking, creative in our thinking, not just in the work we're putting on the page, but in how we approach our business so we can keep the work going. Now, 
I, I want to ask you what your novel is about, but it scares me a little because I don't know how to tell you what my novel is about. So if I ask you, I mean, do we have to know, did you just sit down writing? You had an idea you wanted to kind of tease out or how did it start for you? I went on a writing retreat. Oh, nice. And it was great. It was in Connecticut. There's and a thriller book out called Writing Retreat, which is very scary, by the way. I was going to say, that sounds terrifying. Actually. Very scary. <laughs> I went on a writing retreat, Susan, uh, Suzanne Kingsbury. Uh, she has a, uh, her company is the Gateless Method. Mm. And she produces these in-person retreats. And I went to one, it was 2019, literally two weeks after my second book came out, Listful Living. And I thought, what's my next project? What am I going to do on Fridays now? Right? Let's see. So I went and I had no expectations and there was some writing prompts and she has a very uh, lovely method for giving feedback and it's it's a very warm environment. And so I, I forget what the prompt was, whatever. So I just wrote what I wrote and then you share with the group. So I wrote and I, and I read and everyone gives you feedback. And somebody said to me later, how long have you been writing that character? And I said, I, I just made it up today. This is the first thing I've ever That's done. That's a killer for every other writer who's been working for years on their character, you know. <laughs> <laughs> However, I will say the character is loosely based on my grandfather. So I have known this character for many, many, many years, you know. Uh, and she was like, That's pretty incredible. You can't stop writing this character. You need to continue to write this character. His name is Mr. Pincus and he is quite a character. And so he just wouldn't leave me alone after that, after that like boost of confidence that people liked him and it was an exciting, you know, kind of thing. I just kept going. And now I have too many words. Now I have a hundred thousand words. So I need to scale it back, get it together. <laughs> Uh, but that's how it started for me. It was really just like one exercise where I was like, huh, okay, this is one scene, but now what do I do with it? So I had to develop this whole story around this, this one scene. And, and now what do you, um, because I know from my nonfiction experience that, uh, my agent who represented me with nonfiction does not do adult fiction or thriller, Same. which is what I'm writing. Same. And I'm not ready to show it. When I've written my nonfiction books, I had the proposal. I had a turnaround time. I had a set deadline. This one I'm, I'm revising, right? I'm still in yep. revision. It's going to be another year probably. So it's a different process marketing these books. Where are you at in that end of things with your novel? Well, I'm talking about it. I'm telling people that I'm doing it. So I feel like that is a good step. Something uh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's something that people know something is coming maybe at some point. And everyone knows that publishing takes forever, which is another thing I had to get used to because in TV, everything is immediate. Ah. And so in publishing, it is not, right? You're going to be waiting a pretty long time before you actually see the finished product. And uh, so that's where I'm at. And, you know, it's always scary when people ask you and they do, what's the book about? And I, I understand this fully because this is what I help other authors to do. As a media trainer, it's one of the first questions that I try to prepare them to answer in the media or to answer at a book signing or a book event or whatever it is, because it's what people are going to ask you. And it is terrifying because even now I have 100,000 words. And I don't know how to say what the book is about in a clear, concise way. So I completely identify with all of my clients and every writer. Well, and we can't sell a book until we can say it, really, right? Yes. We got to be able to tell the agents and the publishers and the editors, yeah, this is a book about 
B. Mm-hmm. That's tricky to get people to. So are you putting yourself through the, the paces then to get that focus I, statement? I and- am. And, you know, I have to say, we're, so I'm working with Suzanne, as I mentioned, she's my writing coach. And she, um, which I think is very beautiful, actually, because she saw the, the beginning of this character. She saw where he started in one writing session, you know, um, and now where it has become. And she is the only person who has read the entire book. So this mm. entire you know, world has lived in my mind and at least one other person has read it. Uh, you know, so that's been, been really great. But after she read the initial one and there's been, you know, multiple revisions and I basically rewrote a whole part of it. It takes a long time. Um, she said, no, this is what the book is about. I'm even forgetting right now. And she's like, and I had comp titles. Cause you have to have, you know, comp titles to what your book is like. She's like, yeah, none of those are comp titles to this book. And I was like, <laughs> oh, Okay, because <laughs> I don't really know. So it, it does take sometimes other people looking at your work and saying, actually, I know you think it's like this, but this is how it's reading. This is what it's like. I mean, and that's that's what I try to do for my clients when I'm media training them, because you don't always see it for yourself. It's very difficult to do on your own. Yeah, we're closer to it in a different way, for sure. Before we start to wind this up, Paula, what are some of the things that some of the mistakes we make when it comes to this notion of our elevator pitch or do we get too wordy do we go on too long where do we where do we get in trouble with this people wing it and people think i'll be great it'll be fine when i get up there i'll just know what to say trust me you will not it will not go well And so it, you know, that breaks my heart too, because you think, ah, it'll be fine. How hard is it to do? And they have not practiced. They haven't tried to to think through the way that I teach it is the accordion method. And so I try to give a short, a medium, and a long description mm-hmm. or answer to anything that you'll be asked. So very much like a headline in TV or in a newspaper or in a magazine, what is your headline? A one sentence, if if I hear nothing else, I completely understand what this is about. But then you can open the accordion and give me a little bit more, a little bit more detail, you know. And so that is this sort of the idea behind sound bites and how you create them. And it's it is difficult. It takes work and effort. And I think a lot of times authors think, oh, I'll worry about that when the book comes out. I'll worry about that when publishing happens. It's too late, really. You know, you really do need to be working on that much, much sooner. Yeah, I agree. And if you're going out to pitch the book, you have to be able to pitch it like that. I love that visual of the accordion method. That makes so much sense to me because I find myself in these early stages when I'm talking about whatever project it is, I get too wordy. I'm I'm an articulate person. I talk a lot anyhow, but I know everything about this. And I'm like, I'm sure they want every detail, right? And that is not the case. We don't mm-hmm. want to hear every moment of somebody's day or or any every aspect of their dream or that's that's boring stuff. So I think that's smart. Just the short sound bite. What would it sound like if it were on a podcast or on the radio yeah. or on TV or Interesting. And even, even you know, an exercise I've been doing for myself too, to sort of like test this out on other things, thinking about movies, right? Like, mm. let's say Back to the Future. Like, I love Back to the Future, one of my favorite movies, right? And how would you explain it in one sentence? You would say, a teen goes back in time to when his parents meet and all hell breaks loose or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, that that's a great idea. And and so for it's much easier to do it for other people, for other works, for other things, so that you get your mind thinking about it and how would this look. 
And eventually you might need some help with someone else doing it for you because it sometimes you're just too close to it. That brings us to my favorite segment of the show. It's called What's in the Desk, and it's my opportunity to talk about office supplies, which are some of my favorite things. So, Paula, what's in your desk? What do you like to have around you on a writing day? A pen or earphones or what, what do you like to have on your desk? I used to be very particular about, I used to use mechanical pencils only. And I'm left-handed, so it's really (laughs) annoying because then I would have lead all over my hand all day, but I just loved the way that it wrote. I love the way that it looked. Um, I have given those up because it's quite dirty, Uh, but... I, I, I use a pen and now I don't care. Whatever pen is here, it could be wherever it is, it's fine. Uh, and then as far as paper, because I still, I do my to-do lists, I do my, all of that by hand. Um, and I usually use a steno pad or I use a reporter's notebook, which are those tiny little skinny notebooks. I mean, it's just occupational hazard, right? I used them for years. I got used to it. I have one in my desk too. Right? I mean, they're really great, I have to say. Um, But I've become less precious about this stuff through the years. I used to be very particular. And it's funny because a lot of times, you know, at at book signings and things, uh, when I'm talking about lists and to-dos and all this, people always say, what pen do you use? What notebook? As if that's going to make you a better, (laughs) you know, list maker, or you're going to be able to be more productive if you do. And I'm always like, it doesn't matter. Whatever works for you, you have to try it out, you know? Um, But yeah, I'm really... You know, I love a, a pretty notebook, but I still fall into that. Oh, I don't want to write in it. So I think that's why I sort of pick these work industry looking type things, which <laughs> are not as pretty so that I'll actually write in them. Yeah, I'm a big pen girl, but mm. I wish that it had helped me write more often <laughs> and better. I wish that was a secret. You buy the right pen, you're good to go for the rest of your career. Paula, before we check out, where can we find you? I, you know, I know there are a lot of writers out there um, and entrepreneurs who are thinking about how to market this creative gig business, really. You know, where can we find you and get some help with that stuff and some media training and the other things you do? Sure. So I actually have a really great freebie for authors uh, is the 10 questions all authors need to be able to answer. Cool. So if you go to paularizzo.com slash 10Q... You can grab that and it outlines, you know, those 10 questions that you might be asked, whether it be at a book signing or in media for a podcast, whatever it is. So you can start to think through what will you say? And I explain a bit about my accordion method there. You want to start talking like this in general, right? Not only when you're talking about your book, but thinking about when I have conversations with people, when I'm doing work calls, can I just get the best of the best out as fast as possible at the top? It, it becomes a skill that you'll use for so many things. You know, I, I totally agree. When I was writing my first book, I, I didn't know this, right? Mm-hmm. I thought I was totally one of those writers. It's like, oh, but I know this material so well and I'm a good talker not going to be any problem. I would just fly by the seat of my pants. And it was a huge problem, like you said. I mean, I was the one that wasn't prepared. Um, that never happened again. That was a one, <laughs> one-off thing. I got better. I practiced harder. And I turned it around. But 
in every other book I've written since then, I will even hit a line or a chapter in the book and I'll make a note of it in a separate space. Like, okay, this is the essence of what I'm trying to say here, or this sounds just right and encapsulates the, the larger idea. I'll make a note as I'm going. And if it makes it in the final copy, those will be seeds that I pull out when I do the podcast or the media after the book is out because I've found it to be so important. And, and it also, as you know, Paula, get you invited back, right? Because when you have a podcast, you don't want somebody that can't talk about their work. They for sure you want them for that expertise. So absolutely. I love that idea of identifying it as you write. Sometimes it hits me and I can see it. Yeah. And that comes from time. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I can't find it. But that comes from doing this over and over again and saying, oh, this is going to be really good. You could put this on a, you know, make a graphic out of this or whatever it is. And it's nice because after the work is done, when you go back to it, you might not find it the same way. And so it's, I love that idea. It's really nice to sort of, you know, call it as you go to say, "Hmm, I'm going to keep this little piece over here just in case I need it for later. Just in case there's been some of those pieces that I've kept and I've gone back. I'm like, no, that's dumb. That doesn't do anything. <laughs> but, but yes, it, it is. It just in the back of my head, it gives me some grounding and helps me stay focused during the writing. But also when I go into marketing, because really writers, you, you know, this, we talk about it all the time. You have multiple jobs. You will write and you will be solely focused on the writing and the research. It took that kind of focus for me. And you come immediately out of that and you're in edits and you're working with publishers. You come immediately out of that and you're talking to everybody else in the world about your book and finding ways to make it compelling and as interesting to them as it is to you. So, any help you can get to do that call call paula go to our website pick up the freebie and and learn how to do this so that you can create a sustainable career paula you're awesome thank you polly i love hanging with you this has been I, great thanks for I having love me it too i'm gonna come up with another podcast just so we have more let's excuses. do it <laughs> we'll, we'll keep coming back the paula and polly show i love um, it so you can find me at simplywrite.subtech.com and my website is polycampbell.com and available in that column on Simply Write. You can get links to some of these uh, topics we hit in the show, more in-depth essays about it and links to our guests as well. Remember writers, not all marketing people are writers, but all writers must learn to be marketers. That's a quote from writer Joanne Kraft. Think about it this week as you go forward and sit down and simply write. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric acid. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, 
and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab, an Electric Cast production. See you there. Oh, 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 oh,